calling all new humaniacs. Calling all new humaniacs. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We're your hosts, Andy with Starbrand number 10 and Steven with Cyforce number 14. The New Universe was launched in 1986 as an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and more realistic technology, physics, and biology. Eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1986. Well... A year later, and at this point, the comics Spitfire, Kicker's Inc., Mark Hazard Merc, and Night Mask have been cancelled, but four other books are still continuing. With season three of the podcast, we start the second year of New Universe Comics. Although the world at large in the in the books still doesn't talk about paranormals, um, and the CIA is popping up in a lot of books. With our podcast, you can follow us along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We have a website, kickersinc.com, where we centralize some of our um, information and amusements, including a new Season 3 trivia challenge, which should be live by the if you're hearing this. A uh, also is a Twitter account at Kickers Inc. where we update you on the shows that are coming out. You can email us at uh, newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. And while we're cruising the internet, we'll give a mention to our uh, favorite uh, Facebook fan page, Marvel Comics New Universe Fans, which is not run by us, but are great friends of the show. Yeah. And uh, so today I've got star brand number 10. Uh, it feels like it's been a while, but we've got it. Star brand. <laughs> the now bi-monthly star brand did have an annual, but mm, OK. Right. <laughs> All right. So in star brand 10. So Ken Connell begins to doubt the origins of his powers, but the truth may turn out to be more than he expects when he finds himself the center of an intergalactic war. What? <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> Written by Roy and Dan Thomas, penciled by Jeff Isherwood, inked by Art Nichols. All or... right. I can hardly <laughs> wait to read the. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you guys all excited to hear about that story? Uh, but wait, uh, star brand number 10. Star brand faces his greatest challenge in Russia. I'll spare you the Yakov Smirnov joke this time, but uh... <laughs> yeah, and the, the cover of this one says to Russia with nukes. So no intergalactic war for you guys. Sorry. Uh... Oh, OK, well, it's Cyforce number 14. <sighs> Stalker may be the newest. No, okay, no. Real. <laughs> Stalker may be. <laughs> Stalker may be the newest member of Cyforce, but that doesn't mean the others have accepted him. When Tyrone is kidnapped, Stalker embarks on a solo quest to rescue him. But does Stalker do it to gain, gain the group's trust, or is there another reason? Written by Danny Fingeroth, penciled by Bob Hall, and inked by Al Williamson. And I'm afraid there's no um, 
next coming up next uh write-ups in the universe news this month so we were on a good roll there it kind of made me feel sad that it's gone yeah well gone for it now we'll uh possibly see it again but in the marvel age recaps are a little further ahead i think so they were always a little far further off target um but anyway they're also fun less accurate yeah so i guess we'll discuss a little the universe news changes that we go to through these two comics which came out uh technically in separate months um so there's a the universe news that we get in Sci Force is uh, different than the one you have in Starbrand and has a few of these changes. So, yeah, hinting at some things. Things are happening in the new universe. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, Starbrand. So everyone's favorite Ken Connell, ladies' man. Uh, intergalactic warrior nope nope not intergalactic warrior uh pittsburgh native <laughs> and we tell that uh i screwed up on the uh script this month i guess yeah we were missing our little uh intros to star brand so uh, I, I gave it my best two-liner it's good okay <laughs> while i chat you can fix this i force one or something i don't know uh, we'll fix it in post <laughs> <laughs> which i never I've heard do. that before yeah never do <laughs> uh, yeah uh starbrand issue 10 uh cover november 87 uh, and actual release date probably august 18 1987 as far as that goes and yeah you know starbrand has been kind of in fill-in issues even the annual felt a little bit like a fill-in issue uh there wasn't a whole lot that progressed the story uh, we were messing around with some orphans and some dream worlds with Nightmask and uh, some assassins by jealous ex-boyfriends on the ski slopes and such. Uh, this issue finally feels like we're getting back to the main story, although, you know, again, it kind of fits as an all-in-one. And, and as we'll see, there's supposedly some changes down the pipes. Um, but yeah, Starbrand 10 uh, cover is... Uh, almost like an homage to the first issue where he's kind of floating in space with his arms wide, you know, wearing his uh, classic kind of brown outfit that he got from the old man alien. Uh, here he's kind of like floating in the sky with a starry background. we got a little uh, word blurb to Russia with nukes, right? So uh, a little James Bond-ish sounding reference. And there's a huge explosion kind of in the ba background. Uh, credited to Burns, <laughs> I can't read it. Mm. Yeah. You know, I yeah, I can't. Burvins, Blevins, maybe Brett Blevins and yeah, Williamson. Like an e, but all right, guys, um, write your signatures better. I think the the this this uh is this used as the cover to one of the collections? No, oh. no, mm. it's just. Yeah, it's so similar to the first uh, issue, I guess, that it uh, threw me off. Yeah. It was sort of like a new version of that was the cover oh, of the collection, yeah. I think. It's similar. Maybe the Untold Tales cover also. <laughs> um, But it's a nice, nice looking and, yeah, kind of a callback to earlier. So, 
Yeah. Anyway. All right. So um, I like this issue. It gets back to kind of some of the core star brandy things, including learning things from television. I feel like it's been a little while, but we're back to it. Um, so uh, opens up to the story, not the kind of splash page with the writers and such. So we'll mention them in a minute. Uh, but Ken's sitting on his floor uh, with some books and a blowtorch, uh, shirtless, hanging out in his living room, his extra large apartment living room, though no sign of the dirt bike, which he keeps stored there, uh, watching Ted Koppel, ABC's Nightline. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they're, you know, sparing the huge pile of words. Uh, basically, he's talking something's going on in the Soviet Union. Um, and they ha he mentions how, like under Gorbachev, they had been a little bit more open uh, and sharing information, but now they've become secretive. You know, what is happening deep inside the Soviet Union? Why does the government want to hide it? And what effect will it have on the rest of the world? Um, it says, tonight we'll explore the subject with our guest, Vladimir Posner, commentator for the official Soviet news agency, TASS. Uh, apparently a real person, too. So. Yeah, I was surprised to see that too. In fact, he's he's still alive and still a commentator for Russian. Thing. Nice. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he's gotten more uh, attacked in the last couple of years, which was more than like he got for being a spokesman for Russia than he did when he was a spokesman for the Soviet Union. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, the likeness of him on the TV they show is actually pretty good. So, you know, Shooter didn't have to yell at any editors. <laughs> he got it right, perhaps. Well, I'm not sure if Ted Koppel looks that Ted Koppel-y. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, let's see. Do you remember Glasnost? Not particularly. Okay, that really was like a like one of the big buzzwords going around at the time when the... <clears throat> Soviet Union started to lighten up and there was like hope of like um, improved relations and improved, you know, as I say, uh, Glasnost was openness. There was also something called perestroika. Yeah. And there was something else, detente, which was anyway, the, you, you used to like always have these government guys with these buzzwords talking about, you know, things getting better or worse or something. And so, Gorbachev had introduced various reforms, and um, this was sort of uh, one of the um, signature, you know, movements at the time. So he's mm -hmm. kind of, uh, yeah. This is this is in the real, real world. You're getting the Soviet Union starting to change, and then you don't even see it at the time break up in just a year, couple of years ahead of time. Right. Um, so they're they're definitely reflecting the original reality, which is that if you suddenly have a backwards movement in terms of their communication, everyone's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's sort of setting the story in sort of an interesting way. It's like tourists have been barred, uh, no comment by the government. There's like Japan is recording or reporting increased levels of radiation coming from the country and the eastern region so uh, also like yeah coast. similar to uh chernobyl maybe ah right right you got like no nothing they're like uh nothing's going on why do you ask uh because yeah. we are like radiation readings around the world are going off <laughs> the charts um i think the the other people that he 
uh, talks to are also real people. There's like a White House spokesman or something. Nice. Maybe that comes later though, but yeah. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, this would be the start of like a really classic like 50s or 60s sci-fi alien invasion flick or something like there's something going on and you know yeah yeah <laughs> keeping right. it secret and all that kind of stuff um but you know as, as the tv's rolling uh ken is hanging is sitting there reading gems of the world holding a rock i'm guessing anthracite mineral people right carbon <laughs> um here in in pittsburgh you can get that on your backyard apparently if you live in the right house oh perfect right <laughs> um, so he's holding it in his hand uh heats it with a blowtorch as he's watching the television um and then starts to try and like crush it in his hands like he's basically doing like the superman squeeze the lump of coal turn it into diamond thing um and it like cracks and kind of makes a oily looking mess all around him uh and we get sort of our half or two-thirds splash page where the story is apparently called enemies um and he's thinking to himself as he's just made a huge blackish mess of like this is without a doubt the dumbest thing i've ever tried still i guess i had to see for myself sigh would have been nice <laughs> so i it is a little silly, but I feel like it's a good callback to what Star Brand originally was, where he's kind of messing around with his powers, trying to figure out what he can do. A little bit of commentary on what superpowers might really be like, you know, in, in terms of his crushing power. Um, but yeah, so then we get the, the real story. Uh, since we didn't have them in the solicits, the writer is George Carragon, uh, Mark Bagley with pencils. So he's he got his start in the new universe on Night Mask, uh, pa Pablo Marcus inks, and of course we are Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief outside of the shooter area. Uh, fun, not necessarily, maybe less fun, but interesting, interesting story about the writer, but I'll save that one till the end so I don't get too distracted from the story. Uh, it's Man, why do you keep teasing me with this? <laughs> the true story behind I'll, George I'll give Terry. you a tidbit. He's a James Bond fan. Oh. That, that piece of information will become important later. To uh, Russia with nukes makes even more sense now. It does, right? <laughs> uh, so, so Ken washes up, you know, and he's kind of thinking about what he saw on television. There's a lot of thought balloons in this, which makes me happy because I miss thought balloons in modern comics. Um, but he's just thinking about his power, right? It's a weapon. I'm the most power, the most powerful guy on earth, more powerful than Reagan. Sure, Reagan's pretty strong. Uh, no. <laughs> Gorbachev. If you actually tried arm wrestling Reagan, <laughs> I wouldn't be so quick to. <laughs> More powerful than whole countries. You know, everything I do is kind of political now. Should I care about what goes on in Russia? So he's thinking about what's going on in the world. Uh, next morning, uh, he goes uh, to work and mentions that Duck was hurt and that it was his fault. Um which is, I think, not a connection to anything from previous issues, as far as I can remember. Uh, as th the incident they they explain later wasn't in a previous issue, and I had thought when he said this originally, he was referring to like the end of issue seven, where she's like in the hospital. Right, but then but, yeah, later on they kind of explain that he'd push her out of the way of a car. It doesn't really spoil the story, uh, so, and they hurt her that way, but okay i don't know they could have just tied it together i don't know yeah 
but uh yeah this person maybe automotively funny he's, he's in the auto shop he's working on um uh, he said how long till you finish with that cruise control kenny boy but he's obviously working on a volkswagen bug which has like <laughs> no technology it's like it's like a lawnmower engine I'm like, <laughs> like there's no way that thing has has cruise control <laughs> uh, but that's funny anyway um Maybe he meant the other guy who's working on like a Pontiac Fiero over there. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> um, and as usual, Ken kind of like, you know, pushes his, he's, he's kind of like runs his thoughts by his friends uh, in subtle sort of ways. He's like, uh, hey, Big John, you think much about politics? He's like, like Mayor Calgary or the president and like that. Uh, so real I, Pittsburgh mayor at the time from what I can Yeah, remember. I did. That was an interesting little dive on Wikipedia. Apparently, he uh, got Died sick a couple years later. Protein disorder. Yeah, um, there is a, sta- a statue of him downtown still, but um, had uh, oh, I forget he was in like a movie that was filmed here or something. So yeah, okay, but yeah, apparently that's that's the right uh, mayor at the time. So okay. But yeah, Big John doesn't care much for politics. And says, I guess it don't affect me much. <laughs> it doesn't affect me that much. Um, the other guy chimes in. He's like, you got it all wrong, John. It's not that it doesn't matter what happens. It's that little guys like us can't do anything about it. Why should we care? We can't change things. We we don't have magical super star brand powers. <laughs> yeah. Rick is like a neo-reactionary. Um, from the- <laughs> um <laughs> No, I think that's like the, the the a guy they had called Rick in issue yeah, I think, three or four. I think you're right, yeah. And uh, uh yeah. Um why do you ask, uh Ken, or do you have like hypothetical superpowers that could somehow change the political landscape? <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody still likes to like what would you assassinate baby Hitler kind of stuff. So uh but yeah, so you baby Hitler can <laughs> like suppose you could change things would you like ha might as well suppose you could fly to the moon (laughs) and has actually done that so yeah he's got this like smirky expression that's pretty apropos at the at (laughs) that all right so so we get to uh later after work in whitehall uh an apartment and apparently duck's apartment maybe the first time we've seen him here really or at least uh it's been a while um, I think they referred to Whitehall, but, uh, so she yeah, she lived there. But maybe we didn't. She didn't go there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always at his place, um, right. which made absolutely no sense since he had a like a <laughs> a steady girlfriend while he, that he was cheating on with Duck. I probably should have done it at her apartment, but whatever. Um, We're not yes. here to give you advice on how to <laughs> cheat on your girlfriend, Ken. We're just so. glad they didn't throw away the duck, and she's back in the comic. Um, uh, it's like yeah good thing deb lent me her keys i wouldn't want her getting out of bed to let me in um so she's excited to see him he gets a kenny she's got a why a duck poster on her wall and some other stuff it's a little hard to make out <laughs> i miss that why a duck <laughs> but you know for sake of everyone else dumping him ken made the right choice so he's clearly still with duck uh she gives him a hug and a kiss and um you know, he's kind of scolds her for moving around too much if she's not feeling well. 
she's like, how are you? And she's like, okay, I guess. The doctor said I could be up in a, about in a few days. My ribs aren't broken, just badly bruised, quack. And <laughs> Ken gets like mega melodramatic. I mean, it's just the art uh, that kind of it's pretty his it's i'll i'll put it as hit histrionic yeah Ooh, i'm gonna have to look that up later uh it's deb deb i'm so sorry it's all my fault and he's like you know clutching his hands like a ah! soap opera actor and she's like oh kenny i don't blame you i love you i know you'd never hurt me debbie i knocked you 20 feet across the denny's parking lot I had the star brand power on. I'm so strong. I could have killed you. And he's like ripping his shirt to show the star <laughs> brand just as emphasis for some reason. <laughs> That's where, yeah, the the romance cover really. Uh... <laughs> and we get a shot of like him pushing her out of the way of a car and she's like flying, like bent backwards. Like, it's like uh, Maybe you should just grabbed her. <laughs> I don't know. Um like how did he not get hit by the car i guess would be the question uh based on the art it looks like he's about to get run over um but she says yeah you saved my life i didn't look when i crossed that car would have run over me <laughs> so he saved duck's life but he hurt her um which uh, some pearl clutching about his powers if i didn't have this power it wouldn't have happened uh but then she might be dead i mean come on give yourself some credit um she kind of asked, like, could you use the star brand power to make me all better? And he's like, what? <laughs> said, you know, could you fix up my rips? Which I assume she means ribs. But it does say fix up my rips. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, says, geez, uh, Doc, I can't do that. The power isn't magic. It's like, I wish I could do something like that, Duck. I'd give anything to make you better. What if I could cure sick people with the power? And he has this little interlude in his head. Uh, where he's standing there like getting a woman out of a wheelchair he's like holding his hand up with glowing power it's like we've actually kind of discussed this he's like i could never cure everybody how would i decide who to help i already have enough trouble with questions like that and all i do is destroy things there are millions of sick sick people i couldn't help them all i don't want to be the one to decide who lives and who dies that's a line that will come back later um but Duck softens him up. Maybe she's, I think she just knows what she's doing. And it's all an act. She's like, ooh, you brought me pizza. Too bad, no anchovies. Um, so yeah, they, they kind of go back to hanging out a little bit. Uh, she breaks him out of his uh, sad sack ranting that he's kind of doing there. Uh, they play backgammon on the bed. Uh, she's like, how can you always win at this, Duck? She's like, quack, quack, just lucky, I guess. Which is, you know, again clues that duck is secretly super intelligent and knows what's going on and just putting on an act to lure in the ken mm. uh, but dr buzzkill calls uh phone rings and <laughs> uh, myron is on the phone looking for ken uh she's like it's for you he sounds mad uh so so myron uh is also watching the tv he's like ken please it's important it's a matter of life or death uh turn on the news uh so we get another report um that there's been an explosion in the soviet union so a five kiloton explosion in the eastern province of yakutsk or something like that uh, so like again on the east coast of the country like siberia essentially mm -hmm. um I know. and That's so things are kind of escalating and they say amidst rumors of a possible of possible fighting even full-scale war inside the soviet union the u.s state department has also withheld comment to the press pending in its own words 
further investigation. Hmm. So things are escalating, and Ken's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Um, <laughs> get another kind of fill-in. Actually, I was like, quick, turn on the news. Look, I'm kind of busy with Deb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Myron will not take the hint. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> but anyway. They were just playing backgammons. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, so so yeah it's it's escalated so latest development the soviet government has claimed that the explosion is a result of an act of aggression um but the united states government white house statement uh denied the u.s had any knowledge of the situation refused to confirm that the explosion even occurred um and they talk about weather satellites you know it looks like the effects of a nuclear weapon um, we don't know who's fighting who. Reports are fragmented. Yeah, so Ken's like, okay, this is a little scary. What am I going to do? Let's go talk to Myron. Um, occasionally has useful advice, I guess. Um, so 30 minutes later, which honestly seems like a long time, um, there Ken is kind of geared up. So he's in his star brand outfit, the brown uh, suit with the bluish gloves. He's got a compass, a flashlight, maps. Just wish I had a Russian phrase book. Uh, so I guess he's going to Russia to go and see what's going on there. Um, and Byron acts a little weird. He's like, I know we've had our disagreements. You've been a good friend to me. Take care, okay? Um, and he gives him a hug, which feels distinctly un-Myron. Um, Hey, Ben's maybe... expression is wonderful there. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh. uh. <laughs> what's this guy doing on me here? <laughs> um, but yeah, he goes, so Ken goes flying off, right? So a brief uh, thoughts about not wanting to seem like an intercontinental ballistic missile. Uh, he kind of tries to fly kind of south through Asia to get to Russia um, as far as things go. And, you know, it's starts to make it there he's like descending quickly uh there's kind of an interesting panel where he's like feet down like just j jumping straight down where he's got like re-entry fire on him like like a, a spaceship coming in and he sees a huge flash in the distance it's like whoa i can't believe these people they did it again or maybe it was the old man because there's this big giant bright orange explosion a lot like what the star brand can do um he gives a little bit of uh, recap about the old man, um, you know, imagining why he would do it. But then also it turns into a mushroom cloud. So after the flash, we get the classic nuclear mushroom cloud. It's like, oh, it must have been another nuke. What a relief. Yeah, right. No big deal. <laughs> it's actually looking at the map. It's a good thing he there was like a nuke going off to get his attention because... You know, looking for trouble in Siberia. I mean, that that yeah. that thing's bigger than Europe. I, I, it's you know, right. So yeah. points points for the uh, writer and artist to kind of you know, not make it cheesy and uh, a realistic way to kind of find the problem. I suppose, yeah, um, so yeah. He kind of flies down to the crater uh, to kind of see, try and see if he can figure out what's going on. He's thinking to himself, idiots, if it was the old man, this wouldn't stop him. If it wasn't, how can people do this to their own country? Um, but he he talks about kind of hunting the old man, but aren't we pretty sure he roasted him? I mean, there's always like a shred of doubt, but 
Yeah, it's just that shred of doubt, I think. That yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> he's thinking to himself, yeah, pretty you know, good quotes about nuclear bombs and uh, you know how he's trying to figure out what's going on because it's still just a big mess. There's nukes going off still. Yeah. And he said, thinks that radiation won't bother him, which is, I guess, but, you know... Um, well, he took a nuke on the cruise ship when he kind of flew true, it down yeah. and, and got his clothes muddy that one time. Yeah, as long as his power is on, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he was kind of down in like the first blast crater, which is just sort of smoldering at this point, so he can see the other one at the distance. Uh, he's kind of trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and he starts sort of flying along some train tracks and sees another spot where there's some tanks and some soldiers. Everything's all kind of wrecked up. Uh, there's people lying dead. Uh, there's one guy barely alive. Um, oh, geez. How do you, you know how to pronounce this? Bajosta. 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 So please something. Please help me, I guess. Yeah. So he finds please is Bajosta, yeah. Yeah, so he finds this poor Russian guy, uh, which makes him think of old Hogan's Heroes episodes. Um, yeah, I, there was. Uh, um, it, it's uh, almost funny to see like a uh, he got uh, useful information out of a show that was uh, making light of World War Two, uh, twenty years after World War Two, <laughs> written by a bunch of Jewish guys, I think too, which is interesting. Yeah. Now, of course, 80 years after World War Two, where we take it much more seriously and, you know, wouldn't dream to, you know, make a light comedy about uh, nutty hijinks at a uh, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I guess you would have like characters coming through from other countries and they'd have one or two buzzwords. And Tovarish is actually comrade. Yeah, I learned that one from X-Men. There you go. Drug the only... is friend. Okay. They use that in um, Clockwork Orange. That's where mm. he like, like works that got that word from. Anyway, gotcha. Um, the guy basically keels over instantly uh, and dies, and we get kind of kind of thinking these are Russians. Is this any of my business? I fought the Russians in Afghanistan. We may not be friends, but at least we're all human. No way am I going to let some alien come here and kill people. So he tries to get serious. He's like, okay, whoever you are, you want to fight, you got it. Your butt is mine. <laughs> so it's the Dave Landers school of insults. Um, <laughs> these footprints must have been made by whoever trashed the Russians. Funny, if it's the old man, he must weigh a lot to leave six-inch deep prints. Besides, he can fly. So like along the train tracks, there's these deep footprints just walking along uh, heading towards the site of the second nuclear explosion uh, so he starts flying off there towards the diff uh towards the horizon um must be traveling along the railroad slow but it makes sense if you're walking only way to find your way out here uh tracks continue on this side of the blast crater lead right toward what this where the second bomb is dropped so just keep following them and bingo so uh Basically, walking out of the previous explosion, we see like a little trail and like a little guy in the distance. Um, and so he flies down. I'm like, this isn't the old man. It's like, wow. And comes across, hmm, basically like a grayish, silver, muscular, bald, hairless, naked man. 
right? His, his yeah, junk is well if, shadowed, um, but Rodan's we, the Thinker was uh, sort of come to life with glowing eyes and walking around. Right. <laughs> um, so, so he comes across this guy and just you know flies right up to him, and yeah, he's the the guy, the the gray muscle dude. Uh, said, "Back off, Rusky." <laughs> He's like, I'm not Russian, I'm American. He's like, I'll bet, prove it. Who won the Super Bowl last year? He's like, are you kidding? They only do that in old war movies. Um, so the I guy can't believe liked. they didn't say the kicker or the whoever it was. Yeah, it wasn't the Smashers, right? Like, hey, isn't that one of our trivia questions? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, well, it would have been nice to have him like pop off with, you know. That would have been nice. Whoever it was, but. <laughs> I don't even remember the name of the other team. <laughs> Uh, I can't do it off the top of my head, but anyway, uh, the yeah, answer the, is in uh, Kicker's Inc. number eight, I believe. So that sounds good. <laughs> um, the guy's all smiles now. Then he's like, "Fair enough. Nice to see you. Better stay clear of me. The Reds are saying I'm giving off a lot of radiation." He's like, "Don't worry, radiation <laughs> can't hurt me." He's like, "How do you do that? Fly? I mean." He's like, oh, "I guess we're two of a kind." Um. He says, I'm Randy Kellogg, the strongest guy in the world, and nothing can hurt me. Call me the Gladiator. It's like, hey, he's got a superhero name. What? He's named himself something. Uh, it's pretty neat, huh? I figured that name like that would scare the commies. <laughs> sure, sure thing. Uh, he's like, how did you get this way? He's like, well, all right. I guess I can spare a few minutes for a real American. Um, I'm heavy, real heavy. I weigh, I don't know, a lot. Last summer, I started gaining weight. I didn't just get bigger. I didn't get bigger, just heavier. The heavier I got, the stronger I got. At first, it scared me. I started to sink into the soft ground. I didn't panic. I learned to deal with it. It's kind of like walking in snow. I'm like, What are you made out of? It's like, I don't know, but I don't have to eat or go to the bathroom. I hardly ever get tired. Mm. Randy doesn't have any... Uh... Well, the lower half of him is kind of in shadow all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing he's still anatomically correct. He just doesn't have to use the parts anymore. I guess that would have been come up earlier in conversation if he if he wasn't. But I don't know. Yeah. All right. So so remember the part in our old intro of the more realistic biology and physics and stuff. And so so Ken goes Mr. Science on us here too. He's like you're super heavy. That makes sense. You're made out of something a lot denser than a human body. You can't have blood cells anymore, so you don't have to breathe anymore. No human cells at all. You don't need to eat. No lactic acid in your body. No fatigue. Let me think. He's like, I don't think you're human anymore, Randy. Like, what am I? <laughs> I don't know. You're maybe like a star. I read somewhere that stars collapse and compress uh, the same mass into smaller and smaller size, but instead you add mass and stay the same size. <laughs> So, yeah, he's super heavy, super strong. We were wondering when we were going to run into more paranormals, and we're running into more paranormals. Um, so he, he kind of gives a quick story about how he, like, hijacked a Japanese ship and had them take it, take him to the Russian coast. And he's basically been walking. Um, he says, see this railroad? It leads straight to Moscow. I'll take some time. It'll take some time, but... When I get there, the Ruskies are going to see some red stars. Pow! <laughs> Got the idea from this book I read, which nothing came to mind on that one. But um, um, I had, I was like, yeah, that was really bugging me. Mm -hmm. uh, my best guess was either Red Storm Rising, which was a t the popular Tom Clancy book with a 
war between um, the U.S. and Russia. Mm -hmm. Or um, the closest thing I could think of other than that was the one there was like a book that was the inspiration for Dr. Strangelove, where there's a guy who um, basically sends a, a fighter, a, a bomber out to try to bomb Russia and sort of get the jump on them. Um, sort of like a rogue general or something. Mm, I don't okay. have anything that was like, we're going to go along the Trans-Siberian Railway, which is what I think this is, and fight our way to Moscow, unless he was reading Mark Hazard Merck number 12. Where <laughs> that was Lynn Griffin's wonderful idea. Yeah, I made that connection too, except this guy might actually be able to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. Just putting um, that discount mark hazard to shame mm -hmm. uh, but there's a great panel where he's thinking about you know you know how he can end the war and he's imagining himself like on a standing on a rock waving the american flag with his arm up all muscular and like everything else is on fire and there's all these dead russian soldiers and i was America. like yeah that's why i was like trying to think because it's like was this like some crazy right-wing propaganda book uh you know or or something because really you like know. what he read yeah 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 like uh i forget you know half of them are banned now but anyway but um yeah nothing came to mind or they randy seems like or like kind of a like not a great thinker maybe kind of a, either like a, a hick or just kind of a childlike uh um love of i don't know comic books or or some juvenile kind of um books or movies so you kind of get that sense talking to him that you did from uh tad selby again of like you can't just have you know just because things are weird doesn't mean it be, it's all become a comic book you can't just you know have these simplistic ideas and and expect to carry them out i don't know mm, kind of like That's the part conspiracy of what I theory guy that brought his gun into the pizza place or whatever Thought the Democrats were hiding kids in the basement. No one ever proved they weren't. But anyway, yeah, something like <laughs> there was no basement uh, that you know of. <laughs> but yeah, so like Ken starts going off. You can't just do this. You know, the Russians think you're working for America. They're gonna blow. They're gonna cause. You're gonna cause a war. It's like, but I told them I don't work for anything but freedom. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah. They threatened, but they didn't do anything. You know, it's like, are you out of your mind? You're gonna get the whole world blown up. You know, uh, Gladiator is about done with it. He's like, back off, man. He smacks Ken. Uh, I've been nice to you. I thought you were on my side. I don't want to kill you, but if you try to stop me, I will. Um, so a super powered showdown, which is the first time we really had this in in uh, Starbrand. Uh, somebody can take a punch and give one back. Uh, so Ken kind of dives into him like a football tackle, maybe not the strongest, the smartest idea for a super dense guy, kind of knocks him down. Um, but then they get all tied up and like just starts pounding him. So a couple punches to the face as he's down, he kind of gives him that kick, you know, right in the guts, kind of send him flying. Ken's like, oh, this guy's crazy. He's going to kill me. He's like, well... Uh, so Ken breaks out his star brand power and explodes, right? So one more crater in the Siberian uh, tundra. What could go wrong? And 
Um, so all that's left at the end of that explosion is just a bunch of steaming piles of sand. And he's like, use the blast, let the power rise like a star. Killed him? No, he survived a nuke. Can't stop him. Uh, so he kind of pulls a cartoon move. Gladiator like pops out from like the dirt in the sand and gives him like a big punch in the back and like slams his face into the ground. A couple more punches. Uh, Ken's able to kind of kick him off of him and fly up into the sky. Uh, Gladiator's like, chicken jerk, come back here. Uh, but yeah, the, the star <laughs> blast didn't work. He kind of flies away and gives himself some space. He's all beat up. Like he's got some bruises. He's bleeding a little bit. So yeah, this guy's taking it to him. Um, Randy called him pretty boy when he smacked him. Eat this pretty boy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, it's like didn't have the guts He's to a little kill resentful, him. I think. Never killed anyway. before. Takes courage to use this weapon. This isn't a game. Have to kill him. No choice. Um, so Ken kind of takes a break. Uh, looks like he's kind of sitting in the grass, thinking about what he's <laughs> going to do. Um, you know, again, he says that, I don't that cracks me up. Honestly, he's like, like ah, let me just stretch out on the nice grass here and think about my problems for a while. Yeah. I mean, Randy's just walking, so it's not like he can't catch up with him later. But yeah, it makes sense. The guy is kind of big and slow and vulnerable, and can't he can't fly, so he can he can be safe for him as long as he wants. Um, but yeah, so if he doesn't stop him, World War Three. If he does, he's probably gonna have to kill him. Um, so he kind of gives him that last warning. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, Gladiator's having nothing, none of it. Uh, it's like, it's you or the world. Please don't make me do this. So he kind of flies around really fast, disorients him, gets behind him and puts him in like a full Nelson, kind of like grabs him from behind, uh, legs wrapped around and starts flying him into the sky. Uh, it's like, what the? It's like, he's heavy, but he's <laughs> flying. It's like, that's it. Dead meat, man. So Gladiator's pissed. Um, until he flies him into space. And so, you know, Gladiator doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to breathe. Uh, he can survive in space just fine, which is kind of important. Uh, but now Ken has to figure out what to do with him. He's not going to pass out from lack of oxygen. Both of them can survive in space. Um, so he's thinking, I can throw him into the sun. <laughs> Classic. Um, so it's like no other choice, you know, Nobody else can do this, but it's still cold-blooded murder. It's like, let him go, turn around, head home. So he starts flying to the sun, um, basically, like, along the surface, like he's I mean, trying to roast the guy. In, the, in one panel, he's saying, I will just, like, point him at the sun and accelerate him and let him go. And, the, and then a panel later, he's at the sun. Um, <laughs> you know. The sun is really far. It away. would have been fine to just be. Um, yeah, it would take you a while. Yeah. So don't, yeah. don't underestimate the sun distance there. But OK. I, I took it as like he couldn't let go because once he let go, he had killed the guy. So he's kind of struggling with that. Like he doesn't really want to kill him, but he feels like he has to. Uh, so then he ends up just kind of cruising the guy all the way out there. Um but yeah, it's like the the opening of All Star Superman, or like Superman is right at the edge of the sun, like on his rescue mission that ends up killing him. Uh, so I guess canonically, uh, Starbrand is stronger than Superman, or more invulnerable. Uh, 
He's, he's flying this guy, got him in a headlock or like a full Nelson, basically. He's like, he's like, I can't take him home. I can't leave him here. I can't kill him. I can't do it. One last choice. And he starts flying out away from the sun. He says, heaven help me. And he just flings him into space. Uh, so you see the look on Gladiator's face is OMG. <laughs> it's like, <gasps> as he just launches him. And Ken's thinking to himself, deep space, he'll go in a straight line, nothing to stop him. He won't die drifting in space forever. He won't die worse than death. I couldn't kill him, so I did something worse, just to ease my conscience about killing. Ruler of my world, my choice, my responsibility to decide. I don't want to decide who lives and who dies. This is only the first time. Only the first time. Uh, so yeah, that's a pretty horrible way to kill somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's a real downer, Ken. Um, <laughs> yeah, this poor guy. You know, he's maybe not the brightest, but thought he was doing good, taking it to the Russians. Uh, now he's going to be flying through space for all eternity, and until he runs into Voyager or something. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's like. Sure, it's kind of a nightmare to die, but like to to be sort of in that position is definitely even worse. So yeah, and all the like the, the sci-fi movies get us kind of distorted, but like the amount of empty space between things, right, is astronomical, right? It's, it's just well, that's a little redundant, but it's 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 huge, right? So galaxies could collide into each other right and like nothing would ever touch because there's so much empty space between all the planets and stars that it's just you know there's no way he's going to ever hit a something and get to live on a alien planet or something <laughs> he's, he's just yeah yeah it's not like dr gone. doom you flo- fling him into space and he's like suddenly at some um planet of the broccoli people and then he becomes their god or something right <laughs> yeah he's going i mean it's going to take you know actually about a human lifetime to just get out of the solar system yeah (laughs) and um i don't know at some point you could get caught in a gravitational pull of another star or something but it would be you know geological time time scales and who knows what he's going to be at that point um it's a little disturbing honestly and we've got a last page though but we do have a last page which i'm not a huge fan of but it's like ken sitting up at night in his underpants saying could that have been a dream i better give the duck a call we get the end um and there's no way that was a dream i would say but um we get a big next issue here oh yeah here we go Next issue, Star Brand Goes Public in Celebrity by John Byrne and Tom Palmer. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Guess we got yeah, a new writer. <laughs> and so surely John Byrne will only be writing, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, Yeah, the next day. Could that have been a dream? I don't know. The, the last page, and in fact, the, the sort of the last the ending of that uh, fight was a bit too much like the annual, which we had was the last thing we had from them of just, you know, I, I try to do something and it makes it even worse. And I just do something 
um, that I'm not happy with and that everyone else is even madder at me about. And now I'm just left feeling guilty. The yeah. end. Oh. Big downer uh, kind of um, double header there for Starbrand. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And they're kind of like he's both very smart in this one, but then, yeah, they're kind of setting him up as like always making these mistakes and causing issues that make him feel depressed and down kind of stuff. But, mm. but yeah, so I, guess... um, I will. Sorry. No, you go ahead. I was going to point out that this uh, this is actually just before the untold tales of the new universe uh, star brand issue. Um, so this this Randy is still flying through space in that one and they sort of rush you know go by him and um, it was the only like one of the new the untold tales I remember liking but um, it's not sort of uh, appropriate to dig into it but it definitely takes place between issues 10 and 11 of the series so if you've any of our listeners have not checked it out. Eh, you know. It exists. You can take a look if you like. It exists. Of the other ones that were this is from like the 2006 or so. Um Yeah, I've not read any of them. Of, of one shots. Yeah. Um I only yeah. But um <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was a striking enough uh, like image that, you know, people 20 years later were like, Starbrand, you mean the one where that guy is just floating through space for the rest of time? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's definitely the one I remember yeah. the most about reading this beforehand. So it's it was yeah, for me it was a pretty memorable issue too. I mean, I remember before we started this, like there's the initial shooter issues. I did not remember the last three issues at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's about this, right. So this was literally all I remembered between shooter and uh, John Byrne. So for, I mean, it's not as good as maybe I, I in my memory, but it is a like, um, it's a good issue in some ways. It definitely, I thought, um, is like someone picking up um, from the the previous, you know, book. Like they they, the structure of it was a lot like issue three or four, where it's like Ken doing, you know, testing out the Star Brand. Then he goes to see Doc. Then he's got a day at work and he bounces ideas off his coworkers. Then he's like you know, feels like he has to get involved. So he goes to try to do something and, you know, so uh, they refer to like the old man and, you know, Oh, this thing I tried before, you know, Oh, uh, what, you know, I can't remember all the things now, but you know, it feels very much in, in continuity and like, they're trying to kind of keep the book on track. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, and they got Pittsburgh references again, right? Which has been a little while, that kind of thing. Right. Maybe and, maybe uh, this guy went crashing into the intergalactic uh, war or something like that. 
I gotta admit, uh, why'd you launch this man at us? He's not very smart. <laughs> I do, uh, I do really like the description of that Roy Thomas, uh, um, possible issue that never came. Um, because shoot, that was a big thing, you know, that was a pretty big matzo ball hanging out there. Um, whether your old man was telling him the truth or not, if he was, there's like a whole war going on out there and he was going to get dragged into it or the earth was going to get dragged into it eventually. So um, I wouldn't have brought it up so quickly in the book, you know, I mean, you could have teased that out longer, Hmm. have like a a character from the other side, you know, be like, yeah, that guy was lying to you. Um, Something else is happening out there. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) And all depends, you know, so do you want to hear the story of the writer? I do. Tell <laughs> us more about George Carragone. Yeah. So, um, so he was working for Marvel. Uh, he did work on like the Star comics, like the the kids ones, for the most part. Um, uh, before and sort of during the this era here, uh, writing Starbrand, uh, he ended up following Shooter to Valiant. So he must have had a good relationship with him. Maybe that's why. He kind of like took care of the character a little bit more. Maybe he's got a shooter connection. So he's bringing back some of those older vibes. Um, okay. Yeah, he wrote some of the, like the Nintendo books for Valiant, which are actually kind of like sought after now. Um, but yeah, so so then it took takes an interesting turn. So he was trying, he was trying to get like Thunder Agents or one of those older comics written. And he went to like the penthouse people, like the adult magazine. Uh, uh, but they ended up roping him into writing comics for them. So he's oh, considered... Oh, well, he was the editor of Penthouse Comics for a while. Yeah, co-founder oh. of Penthouse Comics. Um, but... I remember I he met a unfortunate end. He did. <laughs> um, and th- that's where it gets a little funky. It sounds like he kind of got wealthy and got into cocaine, maybe grew to becoming a 400 pound man. Um, and just got into trouble sort of with some financials at penthouse and then killed himself at age 29. Uh, popped in a cassette tape of James Bond theme songs and jumped off like a 40 story balcony in a hotel in Times Square and like landed and injured people like on the buffet kind of thing. So it's like epic nasty awful end to this poor guy's story um but yeah that was the james bond connection i guess oh oh, that is unfortunate um yeah i do remember that like just the just the very end of that i didn't really know what the guy's earlier career was like but um penthouse comics like had some real like a-list creators they must have like been paying great uh pretty well and uh so you'd see you know i don't know was even mobius in one of those i don't know Mm -hmm. but um yeah so i mean as an editor uh, uh, he was apparently pretty good so i don't know um but yeah yeah. a cautionary tale in some ways though right (laughs) i guess Uh, so let's see um Hmm? Should we rate this one? 
this is really difficult for me to read. Um, just off the like, I will give it a B in uh, the sense that I enjoyed it, but uh, it's still lacking something from an earlier, like a uh, personal sort of sense you get from the shooter days so yeah the voice is still not quite right you know having six and a half issues of jim shooter to kind of really set the character and what we're used to um anybody else writing him at this point just feels a little bit off or way off uh this one i would say is a little bit off um they tried a little bit better but yeah it's still a little too much of the like the woe is me ken rather than like the smart guy thinking it through and living a normal life kind of Ken, which I, I prefer. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking B as well. It's, it's, it's all right. Like if I remembered really liking it and I think just because of the ending is just like, oof, that hits. Um, and I think just yeah. to set up the idea that this guy has gotten his powers and he's got it in his head, like, all right, I'm invincible. I'm I'm going to go take on the Russians. Why not? What could go wrong? Um, well, yeah, lots could go wrong, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a cool story. It was kind of well, well done, uh, a little wordy maybe. Um, yeah. Like, that's kind of the thing I'll see sometimes with uh, the, the less experienced writer was um, a couple of the Psy Force ones where it's like, and maybe the kickers ink 11 where you're just like look just because you're new doesn't mean every word has to be on the page you know right you don't need to explain what we can see with right. the art as well um so who knows i don't know sounds good um should we take a break and come back with some force of sigh let's do it Welcome back from the break, uh, the very brief break, which we absolutely did not take the weekend off. And <laughs> You never know. Somebody could have uh, stopped there and picked it up exactly two or three days later and kind of matched us. Yeah, I mean, you you guys, you download the podcast, read it, uh, listen to it at your leisure. You know, if it works better for you to break it into two parts. You can also uh, email us and let us know that we should break up the episodes. <laughs> uh, jumping on into Psy Force number 14, which is also cover dated December 1987, and we believe hit the stands August 25th, 1987. End of summer. Um, we've got a cover with the, again, New Universe logo kind of minimal black on the just uh background of the uh cover art um the art is it appears to be um stalker um going berserk Boyd, going berserk on a couple of um 
like guys in suits with i don't know machine guns maybe uzis uzis okay and there's a um crying uh, woman and child in the foreground and in the background we see the rest of Cyforce busting through the door with Tyrone's ghost all of them with a very disapproving look on their face <laughs> so we're all set up um, Soccer is obviously using his power you got that glow so obviously uh, they're upset with him about uh, whatever he's doing and there's a caption Stalker goes berserk. Will Cyforce be able to stop him? <laughs> I like your description better. The the cover blurb should be Cyforce is upset with whatever Stalker is doing. <laughs> yeah. Disappointed. They're wagging a finger at him and mm. like tisk mm, tisk. Mm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Deep sigh. Um, jumping on inside force <laughs> unnecessary pun it's a good one. Oh, why did the obvious ones never occur to me <laughs> jumping on in we have um, kind of a half a splash um, and it is uh, a, a series of panels at the top with a young woman who I don't recognize and um, it's a, a couple of delivery men with a big box. And there's a narrative. Early morning at Sanctuary, the San Francisco home for runaways. And the two delivery men are asking for um, Tyrone Jessup's room. And the young lady uh, points them in the right direction and says, you got a refrigerator? And uh, the guys make some snide comment. <laughs> and the girl is just thinking to herself, Where'd Ty get the bread for a brand new fridge? Nobody here has any money. That's why we're here. Maybe Colby Shaw knows what it's about. Hmm. Um, I, You know, there's really not a lot of regular kids we meet at Sanctuary in the past. At least not that weren't trying to kill Cyforce. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Though um, Sanctuary has calmed down a little bit since then. Yeah, it's only we only see like uh, twenty or thirty rooms in this uh, issue. So. <laughs> the uh, the title pops up on the main panel: the abduction of Tyrone Jessup. So we have an idea that this is a uh, not uh, a, a bit nefarious, and these guys, delivery men, are whispering to each other. Okay, let's do it quick. Uh, there's our pigeon, as they go into Tyrone's room. We get the credits, Danny Fingeroth, writer, longtime writer of this, Bob Hall, penciler, who's done several issues, and then Kyle Baker, inker. Kyle did some art on a couple of, I think, Night Mask and a Merc issue. That's, doesn't sound crazy, but yeah, we've seen him a couple times. And uh, it is a real interesting style. He kind of layers onto uh, Bob Hall's art, which before we thought was kind of cartoony, although it kind of calmed down a little. But it uh, somehow Hall pencil plus Baker inks ends up looking more like Mark Texiera, I would yeah. say. Maybe that was intentional. Possibly. I don't know. It's interesting. And uh, generally, the art's pretty good this issue. So these two delivery men, as uh, we go into the next page, are uh, 
are whispering to each other that, uh, oh, there he is. Let's do it. And we see Tyrone just sort of kicking back in his room uh, on his bed with uh, that sort of trance state that he has when his uh, in phantom self is out and about. Meanwhile, in Sanctuary's basement, and here we've got a crowd scene of, I don't know, a dozen uh, kids um, with Cyforce mixed among them. And these um, there's some talk amongst the other characters that they got some paint donated to them, and they're, each of them are getting a can of paint from this like main supply to go up and paint their rooms. And um, the, um, let's see, we got Wayne, Stasi, uh, Kathy, and Thomas there. And Thomas is in a uh, jacket, and Kathy, the fashionista, is like, ooh, Thomas, that suede jacket is gorgeous. Thomas is uh, actually kind of proud of it. Don't I know it, Kathy? It's one of the few nice things from my old life I kept when I with me when I came to Sanctuary. You see a couple of uh, young ne'er-do-wells behind them whispering to each other. And these are just random kids. I don't think they're uh, Stig and uh, what, what his name was. Cool. Glenn. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, um, if it was them, they'd have like a shiv or something. Those guys were <laughs> a little rougher. Post-apocalyptic road warrior types. Now <laughs> we just have runaway teens. But um that's not to say they're any nicer because these guys are like, hey, you jerk, you knocked my paint over. Yeah, hit me there. And uh, sort of faking like they're accidentally hitting a can of paint onto Thomas's jacket. Um, Thomas is not happy and uh, he starts yelling at them. You ruined my jacket. Ruined it. You know, at this point, I can identify pretty easily with Thomas. Um, yeah. Suede is pretty hard to clean. He's got like one nice thing in the world left. He was like driving around in a sports car a couple of issues ago. And he goes to help Cyforce and it's just been, you know, a bunch of... Back in the infinite homeless shelter. And... Uh, so he's mad. The guys are like, uh, hey, it was an accident. Calm down. He starts leeching power off the guy. I'll show you an accident. <laughs> he calms down a panel or two later. Oh, I got to stop before someone realizes what I'm doing. Next time you get more than some pressure point massage. I've got more important problems now, like trying to clean my jacket. Hmm. That's a good, like, uh, cover, right? Like, the thing well, that I just Spock used you to do, him. where he'd do like that weird neck pinch and knock him out, kind of thing. Like he could kind of pretend to have these, uh, that sort of skill. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's also made up, but yeah, but I mean, especially like in the '80s, kids would be believe in this sort of kung fu stuff a lot more. Like you know, oh, you just hit the right you know nerve point, and you can you know they'll just fall apart or lose bowel control or something yeah. i don't know you you, you, you get a lot no of rumors and you hopefully no one unlocks the bowel control nerve <laughs> pinch <laughs> that's just an excuse you uh give later when you're like how could what happened dude uh they must have pinched me in that one nerve you know the nerve <laughs> the pooping nerve um 
so he he's uh it you know it's always hard to uh be you know tell whether the art is implying you know this power is is like visible to other people so their description of it they're um the other kids are like oh using his idiot using his power in public like that um they do at least worry about some of this uh being visible to other people so i don't know the girls are like oh i don't think he meant to let's go down and soon in kathy and stassi's room uh, as they prepare to paint they're putting like drop cloths everywhere yeah they donated like cans of paint and so you have like painting supplies in every room now okay um and thomas is explaining i'm sorry guys i know i shouldn't use my power but it's kind of a reflex i'm always nervous all the time wondering if we'll be attacked jacket is a total loss yeah, yeah to be fair he was literally hunted by multiple assassins and shot <laughs> uh, yeah that, that annual. annual yeah he was like <laughs> They weren't even shy about it. They'll they'll follow you through Chinatown, shooting you as they go. Right, right in the restaurant. Um. So yeah, the others are like, yeah, I know that edgy feeling. We've all been living with it for a year now. Anyway, you caught yourself in time, and we all got to keep our you know psionic powers secret, and so we don't let loose. And well, a lot of people out there trying to hunt us and use us or destroy us and all that. I guess that counts as a like back uh, story, which you know, I'm sorry I didn't give much of, but um, this is definitely after the annual. Thomas is now switched into the group, and it is um, kind of questionable because it feels a little bit more like um, that the personal dynamics that we would have got, I would have expected in last issue, um, uh, where we're like Thomas is still kind of new to the group and he feels like an outsider so that's why i was really expecting that after the annual where michael yeah. leaves and thomas comes in well it was a different writer right so yeah it was a swapped in thing so perhaps that was just ready to go faster yeah it's not that out of continuity let's go yeah okay <laughs> So, yeah, Thomas is thinking to himself, I used to be one of their uh, enemies, too, but and my ex-boss is still out there somewhere looking for us and me. Anyway, um, they talk about, uh, like, uh, they're going to get ready for school. Uh, Tyrone's um, using his phantom to look for Michael again. And they mention the annual the events of the annual where Michael takes off and leaves them and they're kind of looking for him and hoping they'll find him and not have like another, you know, heroic moment, self-sacrificing moment, which isn't a hundred percent required. I mean, they could still live in all the six of them could live in sanctuary. It's just that you, you can't have all of them trying to form Cyhawk together. So Cyhawk seems pretty, uh, like okay, as long as I got five of you, uh, one the the extra one can come go if you want. I don't care too much. That would be very practical, yes. <laughs> so the kids are saying, "I miss the little twerp. I hope Ty finds him." And Thomas thinks to himself, "And if he finds him, Wayne, then what happens to me? Tell me that." I kind of likes <laughs> these moments. 
Um, meanwhile, on Sanctuary's front steps, um, those two delivery men are taking out the refrigerator box and they're telling Colby Shaw, whoops, yeah, you're right. It's the wrong address. All right. You were right. We'll take off now. We'll put this large refrigerator shaped box into our truck and drive the heck out of here as fast as we can. Don't worry about us. <laughs> we didn't kidnap any black kids at all. <laughs> we do not have any. Um, the... Uh, Colby's thinking to herself, um, maybe I should put in some security here. What if something more dangerous had shown up? And um, the Cyforce is go- heading out past her as they head to school, and the delivery men are taking off. We did it, Max. Nothing to it, Charlie. These guys are really uh, like pretty hyped with themselves. <laughs> Cyforce walk into school. Tom is thinking to himself, even more backstory. They're polite to me, but that's it. They'll never fully trust me. I always feel like I'm going to be a stranger in the group. They're always comparing me to Michael Crawley. It's not fair. I can only assume my, he, Thomas didn't really get to know Michael too much because, you know, idealizing Michael isn't really something anyone had done in the series beforehand. No. Um, Michael actually felt like the outsider for a long time too. So I'm too young. They'll never understand me. (laughs) Not very good at exploding the right thing. Um, so he, he recaps the annual a little about this fight, but then they get to the school and they're actually like playing basketball with some other kids. And I'm not sure these are, um, High school friends or sanctuary friends, but uh, basically you see that Thomas is making friends. He's like uh, basketball headed towards his head and he bounces it off. Got to be faster than that. Surprise me, Phil. Basket. Nice one, Thomas. And I've got a life starting to come together now. Hi, Gina. Hi, cutie. (laughs) Friends. Girlfriends. If they get Mike back, they'll make me leave. I know it. (laughs) Okay, Thomas, you know, settle down, buddy. Um, Wayne is uh, now ex- uh, um, showcasing some skateboarding. Um, Kathy's and Stasi are um, yeah, just chit-chat about uh, Michael also. And uh, Wayne is trying to show off with a cool move hits a can and goes flying into the street where there's a car heading right for him. That kid flying out of nowhere. I can't stop in time, says the driver. Luckily, Kathy sees all this and um, sort of floats Wayne out of the road. And uh, he spins around and lands on his board. So it just looks like he did the awesomest move ever. Very cool. I don't think that driver even hit the brakes. <laughs> it's like for the amount of time it would take to actually say what he said out loud, like he would have right through him. It's yeah. Uh, also notably as someone who dabbled with a skateboard, like you don't even need a big can, like a tiny pebble would take you out like to that level. <laughs> oh, wow. The, uh, Let's see. The driver is actually like, blasted show off. You almost gave me a heart attack. <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn here or something. <laughs> I like that he's shaking his fist. So, so 
Wayne is uh properly chastened and uh the girls are like, Oh thank God we didn't lose a member that way. That would have been terrible. Meanwhile, Tyrone's uh ghostly form is floating back to um back to sanctuary, which looks pretty small from the outside, but we see a a a uh, middle-aged woman in a nearby house with binoculars, and she's watching him come into the sanctuary, and she picks up the phone, and he's back. And then Tyrone heads into uh, his room. He's surprised to find, I'm gone! Mm. What? But there's a nice refrigerator here. <laughs> no. <laughs> they took the refrigerator. We will trade you one refrigerator for your body. I like Love to think... your friends at Dormont Appliance. I like no. to think that that random lady with the binoculars answered one of those like work from home ads that you see like posted on the, <laughs> on, like, the street signs and the telephone poles and stuff. <laughs> you too. I mean, it's better than stuffing envelopes. That's true. Mm-hmm uh he's like don't panic don't panic maybe your friends had to hide your body or something he goes down and he finds a note mr jessup lose something want to get it back come to 8001 polk street room 402 alone in case there's more ghosts with you now i don't know (laughs) so he takes off and I'm not sure. I didn't look on the map, but I, I'm not sure. Polk Street goes up to 8,000, uh, but okay. That's uh, like, you know, the downtown office area. And you just find an office building there. And uh, while Tyrone looks around, finds the right room, goes inside. And he's like, well, this is the right room, but it's nobody here. Just this video equipment. And suddenly this uh, closed caption TV springs to life. And uh, you see a guy in one of those ski masks that uh, Starbrand's always using and a suit. And he's speaking. Hello, Mr. Jessup. Nice of you to answer my invitation. It's like, uh, who are you? What do you want? Who I am is of no concern to you. As for what I want, we'll discuss that in a minute. Look at the other monitor. Ah! And we have uh, Tyrone's body sitting strapped down and there's four masked guys with guns all standing around that. Mm. Somebody cleaned out the ski mask store. <laughs> um, it is August. So yeah, maybe you could go through downtown San Francisco. Ask, has anyone bought a lot of ski masks lately? Oh yeah. You should go. Um, so he's like, I've got a request for you. What do you want? See, not much you see. I'm a businessman. In half an hour, a meeting will take edit place at a uh, competitor's office. And there's I can't bug that, and I can't uh, blackmail people. So I need someone there to uh, get the details of that meeting for me. I need you to find out who's been stealing my lunch out of the office fridge. <laughs> well, probably not that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe something more nefarious even worse uh details secret recipe of new coke <laughs> it's like um it's gonna be such a smash hit we need to get ahead of this gotta get ahead of the game 
Um, Tyron's like, oh, should I do? That seems pretty simple. Uh, I don't want to get stuck without a body. Um, but he he still says like, no, I don't want to. You know, I better tell him no. And uh, um, the the guy on the screen then tells one of his subordinates, uh, "You forced me to be more explicit than I'd hoped necessary." Number ten, hammer cocked boss, fire. <laughs> they uh clack uh click um dry whatever it was an empty gun yeah <laughs> it's an empty gun yeah they they're about to like uh they put the gun to the guy's forehead his body's forehead and pull the trigger and but uh there's no bullet in the chamber tyrone mm-hmm. is uh screaming no 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 and the guy on screen is like, Mr. Jessup, the next time the chamber will not be empty. Will you accept my proposition? Yes, sir. <laughs> I did notice there was only one goon in the video with a suit, and he was the one who did the, the gun fake out. So he must be the, the leader hmm. of the ski mask quartet. Is uh, Good question. I'm also like they really all... impressed by this guy's setup, right? Because he's a lot... I mean, it must be a wired connection at this point, right? There's no wireless internet here, or he must have a pretty impressive technical setup to have like two TVs, uh, a video camera set up so they can like talk interactively. Like in the 80s, that's uh, that's some pretty hardcore stuff. So Tyrone's taken off a minute later and several miles away. Yeah, we see the other side of the camera set up and everything. I don't know, that guy doesn't look like a technical genius, and yet he did manage to do all this. Uh, practically like setting up your own TV studio in two or three locations. Um, well, uh, the the man takes off his mask. It's a, uh, you know, sort of a youngish um, African-American man with a beard, a bald head, and he's like, Funny, I'm doing it all seems so impossible, but my big break seems to have finally arrived. For years, I've been a professional corporate spy. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was a thing, but okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, he, he remembers last month he was receiving some stolen, some payment for some stolen secrets, and he noticed Tyrone's phantom flying around the city. And he then is um, looking around with a telescope, trying to identify him. And he keeps watching it until he sees it goes into the Devil's Acre neighborhood. And that's where the sanctuary is. For weeks, he drove all around, all day and night, until he finally saw the thing go into sanctuary. Then he goes in and... uh, he um, got the other kids to tell them his name and his room number. He set up this woman in the apartment next door to watch him. And now, finally, it's all going to pay off. Ah, that is a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> I wonder what his plan would have been if he hadn't seen a ghost that day. He was hired for a difficult bit of corporate espionage. <laughs> I mean, it. He says it just started last month, and yet he spent every waking moment since then trying to find this like astral 
projection floating through San Francisco, which is not a small town. Well, I guess to be fair, if you did see that, like you would be really interested and want to know what was going on. Yeah, I just, I mean, part of the story that, if if I haven't said, is that Tyrone's been out looking for T- Michael a lot, and so, you know, if he's just going out once in a while, yeah difficult to to find but if he's going out like every day and flying all around the city then maybe uh you got a more than a even chance of just you know seeing this thing and then tracing it down like with a couple more spotting anyway yeah tyron's thinking to himself something like that i was i've been a fool coming and going from sanctuary so often looking for mike i'll get ready to go find my friends so he goes to the high school uh, he sees Kathy taking a math exam and Thomas taking uh, a, a test or studying too. And Tyrone's thinking to himself he couldn't uh, get there, any of their attention. Actually, Thomas is thinking to himself, though, that there's Tyrone all excited. Bet he found Michael or something. Well, I don't want to know about it. I'll just ignore him. <laughs> Very adult, Thomas. <laughs> very catty all of a sudden but um tyrone goes back and fakes that he's the um doing one of the school announcements in the speaker in kathy's room attention kathy ling please report to the principal's office and um kathy recognizes the voice immediately but um she heads out of class uh, grats the others and they all meet in an empty room the base the chem lab in the basement sorry and Tyrone tells him, fills them all in, and he tells them what's, um, you know, he needs to do, and they they sort of brainstorm. Wayne is like, if we can find out who rented the office with the cameras, maybe that'll lead us to the thing. It's worth a try. And uh, Thomas is uh, excited about the chance to uh, hold a gun to his head and see how he likes it. Well, that sounds tempting, Thomas, but if we did that, we wouldn't be any better than him, yeah. says Tyrone. That's not the guy who ruined your suede jacket, Thomas. <laughs> Just, look, even though I'm like screaming and flying around and possibly about to lose my body forever and end up like the witness in the DB7 annual, uh, I don't want you to go to any over, you know, extreme measures, Thomas, okay? Um... Thomas is thinking to himself as they they make a plan to head out. This is my big chance now. If I play a key part in the rescue, they'll really accept me. They'll forget all about that creep crawly. Creepy crawly, as they called him. But anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally trying to, you know, replace a guy they call nicknamed creepy. Do you really think it's that hard, Thomas? Yeah. And he's starting to demonize the guy who basically like left so that he could so thomas could be in the group yeah he's the he was the one who was most uh rooting for you (laughs) so over at polk street um wayne goes in and uh talks to the building front guard and um the doorman the doorman okay uh the the well he tries being um using uh normal um conversation and not getting anywhere he just uses his psychic power 
to uh, tell me the name and address of the tenant in room 402. The guy's name is Munson, Theodore Munson. Here's the address. And uh, as you see that Wayne goes goes ahead and uh, wipes the guy's uh, memory of this while we switch over to Tyrone, who's going into a different building, the Gutman building, which doesn't mean anything to me. Hmm. Nevertheless, Ty's impressed with these uh, taste in office space. Yeah. And uh, let's see, doesn't find anything in this um, office, but the um, another note. Um, he's like, um, mail for Munson. Maybe it's his home address out in Marin County. Oh, okay. So then they meet up in again with the other members. Um, so they're like, they start splitting up. Um, Tyrone is going to go check out this meeting that he was ordered to watch. And the others are going to go to this address in Marin County and hope that they can uh, catch, the, get the guy and with uh, Tyrone's body there. And um, they take off. Thomas is still like, I'll make sure to kick lots of butt when we get to the Munson's show, how valuable I am to the group. They'll be begging me to stay forever. Come on, Thomas. No daydreaming. No daydreaming. Just action. Let's go. Starting to like like, this guy. (laughs) Yeah, this is is the kind of, you know, proactive guy you want to read in a comic book, you know. So, and uh, yet a third office building in downtown San Francisco. They're really running around here today. Um, Tyrone goes ahead to this uh, meeting that he, he was ordered to attend. And we don't really find out who these people are. Um, but what the guy, there's a uh, map on the wall. And a elderly middle-aged guy is uh, talking about how dangerous this knowledge is if it got out. The route over which the experimental nerve gas will be delivered this afternoon to the lab at San Francisco State, where it'll be rendered inert, probably. Or you know, there's just gas the college kids. I don't know. There's incinerators all over the state. Why do you need to? <laughs> I got to say also that San Francisco State is not not like the most prestigious school in the san francisco bay area um so it's a little weird to me that you would have a lab dedicated to nerve gas yeah, they're up and coming with their chemical waste disposal uh team so perhaps yeah so um the guys uh shows them a route through the city and tells them to memorize it and there's a decoy patrol too and he then throws the map into the fireplace and if luck stays with us by 4 a.m tomorrow morning the gas will be harmless and uh tyrone sort of hiding himself in a chandelier is like holy cow this isn't any industrial espionage thing the guy lied to me oh wow man um so they they think well i don't want this is, you know, like too dangerous to to get out. So I can't just like do what the guy wants and and hope it'll um, work out. I'm gonna have to hope that the other kids can uh, find my body in this time. The Tyrone ghost uh, sneaks out and is now flying um, into heading out to Marin County, and um, 
as the narration box says, Tyrone is not familiar with Marin County, and his trip is lengthened by that fact. And 45 minutes later, (laughs) it's part of the charm of the new universe that, yeah, they they they're not like everyone knows exactly where everything is. And so, yeah, at least on on uh, sometimes you will be like, I have no idea where where that address is in Marin County. Marin County is the one just north of uh, San Francisco across the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a. Pretty expensive now probably yeah wasn't into. and these kids weren't all originally from the city either they all kind of came from various places right so the um the other side forest members are getting uh getting uh out of the car that they've like hijacked a driver and they're talking about how they're lucky that the driver they uh that wayne coerced into helping them um had a map um Meanwhile, uh, we switch over to the uh, corporate spy, and he's like, "Mm, Jessup was supposed to be back by now. If he's double-crossing me, he will not live to regret it. Cyforce are knocking at the front door, and it opens, and it's some guy we've never seen before. (laughs) They're all like, he looks like such a nobody. Are you Munson? Yes, I'm Theodore Benson. What do you want? I'm just a nobody. <laughs> what do you want? We want Tyrone, man. Make him over. So Th- Thomas goes, uh, you know, head first. But Wayne um, immediately starts reading the guy's mind. He's like, he is Munson, but he doesn't know anything about you. And the guy must be some sort of red herring. Um, then they, they ask him about... Um, the office that he had rented and did he do it for someone else? Uh, yes, my employer, Mr. Cleveland. Um, so where do we find this Cleveland guy? He's got an estate about a mile from here. I'll give you directions. Thomas is thinking to himself, this is my big chance. Finally. So they, uh, rest of the side force is, uh, okay. So we've got the info on the estate and the layout and like they, they're doing this full dossier on what's his name? Cleveland. Meanwhile, Thomas has just left. So he's not wasting. Hey, where do you get, where's Thomas? The front door's open. Oh no. So all this planning, you know, is, uh, they're like, gave him a chance to try to get ahead of them and try to, you know, do it all himself. Um, the others are like, oh, he's gone off alone, half cocked to Cleveland. That idiot stalker. We needed to attack in a planned, coordinated way. One slip, and I've bought it. Cleveland is, who I guess is the name of this bad guy. Five minutes, Jessup. If you're not back by then, I'll give the kill order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then the scene switches over to the Cleveland estate where private guards and expertly trained attack dogs are all just sort of lying on the ground. Energy leached from their bodies by a fighting mad fury called Stalker. Yeah, they never made it sound this cool when Cyforce was fighting people before. They didn't know what they were doing. Stalker is the effective one. Uh, I'm While I'm sad that they cut 
all the action like so like these laid waste to the entire security squad and we just see their bodies uh, i'm happy that the next panel is him looking like he's gonna like three stooges clonk two guys heads together it's <laughs> gonna like <laughs> arms stretched out but he's just sapping their life force or whatever <laughs> yeah it's a bit like the cover um without the rest of Cy force popping in behind him there but uh, yeah, he is uh, leeching energy from the last couple of guys, and he's thinking to himself, this much security, this Cleveland guy's into something bad, that's for sure. And um, getting through it all is kid stuff for me. My old boss trained me in all sorts of guerrilla tactics. I'd like to see Crawley pull off an operation like this. <laughs> it is a bit like you said last time that... Uh, Thomas not is not just got a guy with powers, but he was trained by this rogue CIA agent to be like a paramilitary dude also. So that's a formidable combo. I don't know if... Way uh, more badass than a 14-year-old who can barely figure out how to explode things. Come on. Don't yeah. you want him on your team? Not some little whiny kid? I mean, Michael's like was always sort of holding back his power was the other thing. Yeah. Right. Like they, they thought like this would be cool. And then we're like, actually having everyone explode would be disgusting. So let's not use that power. <laughs> I think there was one moment where he figured out he could kind of like partially mess up somebody like, like maybe like a micro explosion in their stomach or something. And they kind of killed over, but didn't really hurt them, hurt them. Yeah, he had to like transfer the energy into something else. So he, he said, Yeah. So it just ended up as like extreme indigestion. That's the, that's the power of uh, Mexican food. What? That's power. Um, anyway, uh, so he, he, Thomas grabs a gun, an Uzi, I think you're right. Yep. And he's like, by the time I'm through, Ty will be as safe as a baby, and Crawley will be a thing of the past. The distant past. Oh, snap. <laughs> he's just like, he's so like a... Um, I he's know. really into it. <laughs> yeah, he's into it. So he's like, he kicks through the door. It's showtime! Surrender! Huh? And there's like a little boy and a and a young attractive woman is maybe the mo- boy's mother, and they're both uh, uh, African American, and they're like, "We surrender. Who are you? What do you want? I want Cleveland. Tell me where he is, or I'll blow your heads off." <laughs> He's literally holding a my machine gun to this young boy's uh, head. Dad's not here. My husband's at his office. So the next thing you've got is. Um, the little boy calling the guy to dad. It's Billy. You got him. Give me that Cleveland. Your men are all beaten. You're, I've got your wife and kid at gunpoint. Just like you have my friend. Bring him to your home now or things get messy. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Good. <laughs> now, Cyforce busts through the door. Boyd, what in blazes are you doing? Uh Looks like you sunk us to Cleveland's level, says Tyrone. Ah, man. Um, he's he's sorry. awful judgy for someone who just got his, is getting his body rescued. Yeah, he is. He's like got the wagging the finger at him, and the other 
he's like floating over the other members of Cyforce who also have this like I just sucked a lemon expression as well. So, um, <laughs> mm, you know, it was one thing to uh, steal people's memories and make them uh, drive us around and stuff. But once you started doing something that would actually make progress, that's where we lost our approval, man. I don't know. <laughs> I get that he's like pointing a machine gun at like a family, like the wife and kid, but the wife and kid live in a mansion with attack, attack dogs. So, I mean, you, you're part of it. You know, you know, something questionable is going on. I mean, the wife, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Thomas isn't like arguing to, or is like, is, isn't uh, going to lie down with that one. Sure, go ahead. Talk down from your high horse. But I got results. Your body's on the way over now. The argument goes on for several minutes, uh, says the narration. But then uh, Mr. Cleveland arrives. Uh, his family's like, ah, ah, dad. And he's like, okay, put the gun down. I've got your friend right here. So, you know, it wasn't just another red herring, which was also a possibility. Um. Or like um, complete mistaken identity. So, right. Luckily, uh, Tyrone jumps back into his body right then. So, well, all right, I'm back. I'm whole again. I'm me. And Cleveland's like, there. You see, he's fine. Now let us go. Thomas is going to take them with us to make as insurance, and uh, then Tyrone starts uh, ragging on him again. No, let him go now, Boyd. Don't be a sap, Jessup. How do we know he won't try something as soon as we release them? Wayne. As, as Thomas grabs the little kid and puts <laughs> the gun right to the side of his head. He's, yeah, for like, he really can't keep that gun away from that little boy. I don't know what's going on. He doesn't Wayne, have great um, trigger discipline either. <laughs> Wayne uh, uh, reads um, Cleveland's mind. He's like, uh, let me check. Oh, yeah, Stalker's right. He's got more goons with him who were going to uh, shoot us the second we got out of the room. He, they, uh, they respond to Wayne's commands and like uh, come in and drop the guns. Yes, sir. Uh, Wayne goes, um, goes nuts on them all now, just um, psychically erasing everyone's memories. Cleveland, his family, the guards, everyone. Everyone except Cyforce. And um, they're all knocked out. So Thomas is like, well, all's well that ends well. I did pretty good, huh, guys? What? Tyrone grabs him and he's about to deck him. You slime. Thomas, again, isn't taking that line down. You ungrateful jerk. Nobody does that to Thomas Boyd. Starts leeching him. Tyrone, you know, starts punching and then wrestling. Um, and he's like, I had a, you know, by doing what you did, by threatening them like he did me, you became no better than Cleveland. Ruthless, inhuman. We're five people with incredible abilities. We could have worked out a strategy, come here as a team, and avoided the possibility of bloodshed. And he's like, yeah, well, no one got shot. Hey, that was just luck this time because if you know, what if it had uh, gone wrong or Cleveland had come in? You'd have shot the kid by mistake. 
And Thomas says he was just trying to help the group and prove how useful he could be. And then Wayne gets into the act. You got a screw way of showing it, Boyd. You messed up bad. Come on, everybody. Let's get out of here. Except you, Thomas. No, he doesn't say. But <laughs> Leave this loser over here. They all sort of head out together ex- with like Thomas bringing up, you know, far in the rear. And he's like, oh, Tyra's right. I saved the day because just it easily turned into a disaster. I just wanted them to like me, to accept me. But I blew it. They'll never trust me now. And who can blame them? Oh, man. <laughs> Ouch. Next, Michael Crawley versus DP7. What? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I guess that's what he's been up to. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like I said, um, midway through this, this really feels like it would have been a great follow-up to the annual where you're kind of transitioning into a new status quo. Um, right. Though, if we switch places with the previous issue where they worked really well together, then also, you know, it doesn't make sense from them to be, like, complaining about Thomas to then, like, working perfectly with him. So, you know, it just... Yeah. The, the the books have been kind of swapping. We've had mostly Danny Fingeroth, but yeah, like that little bit of Fabian Nicieza just throws it off just a touch. So, yeah, we've got a... Uh, I don't know. I mean, as, as the new team is, it's pretty strong. You see these couple of issues that with Thomas and not Michael essentially holding them back, they're a very uh, effective group. Um, Thomas was uh, trained by this uh, old boss. Uh, the others were sort of trained when they were on the Indian reservation for a couple of issues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've definitely gotten to a point where we're getting more powers used constructively and sometimes even synergistically like you know the the team working well together to kind of cover each other's weak spots so um yeah that's that's good it honestly sometimes it still it does remind me a bit of um i've been reading these old uh x-men from like the early 60s like the 20s to 30s issues Okay. Which are not great, but I mean, you get this like over the top teenage angst mm. where it's like they're constantly thinking to themselves, oh, she, I, I love her so much, but she could never love me. Never. And, you know, all this Cyclops has it in for for Jean Grey and and I think Warren uh, Angel also likes her, but he's aware that Cyclops is hot for her and all this kind of whatever stuff constantly going on ah, and you know, every time they screw up it's like how can they, they'll never forgive me now they'll never let me join their club you know <laughs> oh man i'm never mm-hmm. gonna get that sci-fi from them so it's a um you know i i'm, I'm it's like on the wall at marvel or something more teenage angst you know make sure to work yeah. that in i guess it makes sense yeah i i was probably like throughout the issue, I don't see the other kids' side as well. Like you know, as as a reader, I'm I'm with Thomas the stalker, and like he got results. You know, like left the rest behind. He's more 
he's like the effective combat guy. He, he didn't put the others at risk, you know, to all these guys with guns that uh, you know, maybe they're not as good at uh, dealing with as far as that goes. But um, Stasi isn't bulletproof, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. Interesting though, that they still never really think about Cyhawk, like of, of just bringing him into it and using him as uh, like the key to save the day. Like they're still pretty much won't do that unless they absolutely have to. Yeah. It Which is... I guess makes sense if the last time they saw it, like it just flipped out too, but that's true too. It's not really like a tool for them under most circumstances. Yeah. In some ways, this is like a T I, I can imagine this is like a TV show, but like in a TV show, you would always work in Cyhawk at the end as to. Yeah. That would be kind of, that would kind of get old, I guess. Like, like the cartoons do too. It's like, Oh, well, here comes Cyhawk. The kids are all in trouble. And this'll, yeah, this'll be the magic wand that'll get them. You know, they're getting out of their troubles on their own. They're figuring out solutions. They're taking, hunting down clues. All that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, I would say they hit the argument too hard in this one. Like there's too many pages of them not getting along with Thomas and Tyrone and Thomas fighting and that kind of stuff. Like I would have been, I would have rather have seen like a breakup of that and some more of the action. Like if we traded that for a couple of pages of him infiltrating the compound, that probably would have been more fun. Fair enough. I was kind of disappointed those guys with the, uh, Duncan M and uh, paint didn't get some comeuppance too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I had one nice suede jacket and man, if you dump paint on that, I would. <laughs> like some, some last panel where those kids go into their room and all of their clothes are covered in paint. There you go. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, any, um, we have a grade for Cyforce number 14. Hmm. I mean, it's not the most exciting issue. Like, I, I, I'm okay with the direction. I feel like this is the issue that we should have gotten after the annual, where like they're kind of starting to figure each other out. Uh, so, like, that's logical and it kind of makes sense. Um, that being said, it wasn't the most exciting issue. It's another kind of little problem solve. So, just straight B, I guess. Yeah, I'm about there too. It's uh fine and entertaining but it's a ah, i don't know what i'm looking for at this point in from cyforce but uh we'll see i guess um hopefully we're, we're we're heading in an interesting direction right now that the team is getting more constructive um right i think it's just lacking some kind of overarching story or villain like if the overall story we're headed towards is like trying to reunite with michael or not i'm not sure or but um like the uh was it the Derek shining star evil cia guy is kind of faded into the background um so we don't know if he's still plotting against them or not or or what's going on so we're kind of back to the sanctuary having weekly problems or something but yeah we had the russians come in last issue and 
I mean, I, ideally, I guess I would try to resolve the Derek Shining Star and then jump into like conflict with the Russians as like a more substantial threat. Um, right. Like if it was them that was after the nerve gas or something and we got like a little panel, I don't know. They're yeah. gonna pass the sanctuary. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if it had been a call from Serge Vladimirov that had set Cleveland off or something, but mm, that'd anyway. be interesting. Let's see. Um the issue had a few is it like the new new um month publication month had a few uh fun ads the back ish back page back cover is uh top secret slash si the uh role-playing game from tsr the dungeons and dragons people um so it's a new uh version of top secret their spy game which mm. is um a little apropos given the new universe's love of the CIA and uh, sort of in this case uh, corporate espionage and all kinds of things like that. There's, so then there's like a 30s uh, source book. You'll also want to travel back to the 1930s with Agent 13. The Agent mm -hmm. 13 source book provides all settings and special rules for hard-boiled detectives, G-men, and ruthless gangsters. Oh yeah, nice. What's a G-men? Government man. Ah, well, okay. Thank you. That's what the yeah, the F early FBI or something was. I like that the spy kit in the picture comes with a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a passport, a map, a gun, some bullets, a knife, you know, some cool shades, flashlight, calculator. <laughs> some cal a currency. I think it might be a calculator watch too. Right? That's just redundant. Yeah, you you pick one or, or the other, and the watch is multifunction. So go with that. <laughs> so the, the the real question is on the inside back flap: Are you willing to fold your comic book to see what Chips Ahoy is doing? It's like got that Mad Magazine like fold together thing. Hmm. Uh. No. No. <laughs> I'm assuming it's just it's just a bite out of the cookie, but. I'm I'm real tempted, but I don't want to ruin my fifty cent comic. Let's see. Back in the middle of the book, we have uh, an ad for the intercompany crossover of eighty-seven, "The Fall of the Mutants." That's popular. Classic picture of like everybody all lying on the ground like they're dead, even though these events almost never kill anybody. Uh, I want to say Warlock died in this. Maybe I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. Was this is this what led to the X Men being kind of like broken up and hidden and like off in the Australian outback, or was that? I think that's about here. Yeah, there was. Um, I remember, I I was still reading X Men, but I tapped out of New Mutants around this point. Um, the the X Men. I don't know if it was part of this crossover, but they went. Yeah, they like uh, faked their death, or like they looked to the world like they were killed. And, yeah, but they, they had something of... where they like were not recordable by electronic devices, right? Like, right. For reasons, for some reason, when they came out the other side, they were invisible to radar. Yeah. So, 
They were the stealth X-Men. That was very popular at the time. Um, But yeah, or maybe it was Doug Ramsey who died. I don't know. I just remember New Mutants, like there's like this bird brain and this completely pointless arc where I think Warlock or Doug or both get killed. And it was just like, I don't know. I've, I've I've seen like interviews with Rob Liefeld more recently where he's talking about how like he was talking to the editors and like trying to get himself promoted to the writer of uh new mutants mm-hmm. so he like takes over what 87 or like starts 80 85 87 something sounds about so right, a, yeah. still a ways off but it, it, like he was saying that, that you know whatever they'd been doing in the book wasn't working and that he mostly blamed the writer and when you look at things like this i that's kind of how i remember it being like yeah oh what are you doing yeah why were you reading this yeah, I think I, I only lasted like a couple issues into the 50s because like Claremont leaves and I forget who takes over, but it, it was a noticeable change in, in my interest level. <laughs> but yeah, oh. I definitely remember there was, I was reading, I'm pretty sure it was New Mutants and there was a panel that had this weird shading, like a woman in an office, his face was completely black with shadow, but you could see her eye and like mouth stick out. And I'm like, oh, like who wrote, who drew this thing? I'm like, oh, Blyfeld. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, I don't know if uh, I, I sometimes refer to Cyforce as the New Mutants more than the X-Men, but Ideally, the X-Men were adults at this time and the New Mutants were like teenagers, but the New Mutants weren't acting like any sort of teenagers you would run into in the mm-hmm. real world, right. which was, I think, was the thing. If you're, they, weren't, I, they weren't really in the real world most of the time. They're kind of like separate from real people. Yeah, one of them's like from a lost civilization, one's from another you know, plane of existence or something, and you're like one yeah so okay but if you want something that like real teenagers kind of get into and are like i can relate to that yeah marvel didn't really have like a something along those lines um maybe except for side force so on the page like page six or so of the comic like on the other side of page five there's an ad one of those fun ones selling comics hot comics with like the Punisher shooting flames at the top. Mm. Um, you get some good deals here. That's uh, 1987. Uh, Burns, Man of Steel, is issues one through six around. We talked about him uh, at the end of uh, Starbrand. Uh, the, new mu- the new universe titles are on sale. Limit five each, 99 cents. So there's, there's no standout new universe titles. Uh, that are worth more than others. No first appearances or anything like that. Um, what? Mm. Secret Wars, I think like eight is worth a lot now. But it's only 99 cents then. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so like Ninja Elite, hot ninja action. So if you want some hot ninja action, maybe find the back issues of Ninja Elite. <laughs> That sounds like something cartoonist kayfabe would bring up just to like mystify their their audience. Like, <laughs> you guys remember Ninja Elite? No, no one remembers Ninja Elite. <laughs> no, 
It doesn't have any, uh, it's not even like a memorable, like a Chuck Norris's karate commandos or something like that. Dude. Yeah. The, um, it's good to see like a selection of what people were interested in back then. Some of them are quite forgotten now, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. I guess that is it for this week's episode. Next time we will continue covering the new universe with next week's Justice number 14 and DP7 number 14. That we will. So yeah, Justice 14, the venom from a poisonous snake bite would kill us. Okay, random animal facts. (laughs) But what would it do to the alien justice? Written by Sandy Plunkett. I feel like this is the lamest intro that we've seen in the new universe. <laughs> like, what <laughs> happens if he gets bit by a snake? <laughs> Find out. Oh, okay. Is, is the snake working for Damon Conquest? I don't understand. Does the snake What's... die because he's that tough? <laughs> this, I, I don't know. Um, it felt like last issue was more of a like a cliffhanger. He had grabbed a, like a, the son of this guy who sold drugs for conquest. So I was kind of hoping we'll follow up on that. Mm. <laughs> um, DP seven, number 14, Charlie quits the DP seven. What will the consequences for the group be when she joins the all black group of paranormals, the black click? Will Charlie be able to resist the black clicks demands that she get revenge on her friends? Clicks is written by Mark, my auto correct, my auto correct really wants argues with clicks is yeah uh written by mark gruenwald and penciled by paul ryan and inked by al williamson so here we go at last the famous race war section of dp's <laughs> and the most use of the word click uh i uh Yeah, I I remember it. I don't remember really what happens other than, yes, like some of the sort of arguing between whose side are you on kind of thing. But also like there's no DP7, right? And they they stuck together to escape problems. So like if they're all back at the clinic and trying to work out their lives or whatever, like, yeah, I guess we're forming cliques now. I guess I, I... Trying to remember, like, is there a white supremacist one too? Is this like prison kind of stuff? I, I guess only we'll, hope. we'll find out. <laughs> I think this will be, yeah. And I don't know. It's actually, yeah. The the um, going back to the fir- first part of the the show about Starbrand and like where I was trying to uh, think of what kind of novel was was the the Randy Kellogg's uh, using for his inspiration for attacking Russia. I was trying to remember if um, the Turner Diaries was like that, but I don't think I thought that was all like war in the U.S. of like race war and stuff like that. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> but I was trying to remember like there was some like crazy, super out there novels uh, at the time, but um, Malcolm X seizes control of the government, and <laughs> who knows. Um, so interesting stuff ahead in uh DP7, at least. We have no idea what's coming up in justice. Somebody's gonna get bit by a snake. What happens okay. after that? We don't know. Okay. Um, in the meantime, you can find out 
more from our website, kickersinc.com, or email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. This has been the voice of the new universe, and we will see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw away the duck. It's your universe, idiot. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>